everybody would come on in and grab a seat. We are going to do something very non-Presbyterian this morning. We are going to start on time. Okay? That is something that Presbyterians do not do very well. Um, good to see everybody here uh, a little earlier than usual. I think uh, maybe the, the notice from last time was uh, good that we start on time. So it's a, it's a good habit to get into. Um, I want to affirm you know, two things from the session. First is that, you know, we believe that the scripture does teach, you know, male headship in the, you know, in the church, and, and we want to affirm that. But we also want to affirm the fact that God has gifted a lot of people. And in our congregation, we have someone that is especially gifted in a certain area, and that's the reason that Patty's going to be here this morning. And most of you probably know that uh, Patty hails from, uh, the other side of the mountains, but uh, you may not know that she is a full professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences. I had to write that down. Somebody else had to spell it for me. But anyway, um, so she's uniquely talented you know, and gifted for the topic that she's going to be uh, uh, working with uh, over the next few weeks. So uh, we want to affirm that you know God has gifted the. Uh, many people in our church, and we do want to affirm that. So let me open us with prayer, and then I'll turn it over to Patty. Father, it is good to come into your house again this morning to consider uh, more of your world and how uh, sin affected that with uh, uh, decay and aging that comes to us all. And as we look at that uh, over the next few weeks, we would pray that you would be with us and that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to what uh, Patty is going to be sharing with us. We pray that you would be with us by your spirit, and we pray it in your son's name. Amen. Uh, I'm taking this very, very seriously, and I'm a little nervous, uh, though Essen just reminded me that I've done talks and in front of groups of a 1,000 people and loved it, but it's different here. Uh, and yet I know that, I know that uh, you all love me, and that's what matters. And I love you, and you know that. And so uh, I've never felt as much love as I've felt in anywhere in this church. Uh, and it has done wonders in my life. And uh, um, so my manner of teaching, this is interesting. I wasn't really nervous until I got an email from Essen this week, and he said, I am praying for you. <laughs> and then I got very nervous. And I thought, well, why is he praying for me? Is, is he just being nice or is he really worried? And then I thought, well, you know, maybe he's praying for himself because this was his idea. <laughs> so he's in for a world of hurt if this doesn't work out. Uh, Essen is also a person who, who likes to help. We all know that. And he's already sent me a couple of handouts that he thought I might be able to use. And I appreciate that, Essen. Um, I have a guest here this morning, Judy White, my friend Judy White, 
from Charlottesville. She said, she, in all the years she's known me, we've known each other for 40 years. She's never heard me teach. I use the term loosely. And I said, then you, you, I'll be glad to have you come over for Sunday school. And then she said, am I allowed to say anything or do I have to just be quiet? And I said, oh, you can talk if you want to. And she said, good, because she retired a couple of weeks ago and I did the roast at her retirement party. And she looked at me and said, payback is sweet. So what I want you all to do is, is to tell Judy White that vengeance is not an acceptable practice in this church. So, anyway. Um, I brought this Bible that I study with at home, and it is, of course, the only Bible because this is the King James Version, which is the only real Bible as Many of you older people in here will know, and since I'm addressing mostly older people, then you will know what I mean. Now, I want to tell you that uh, why, why do I think that the King James Version is the only Bible? I grew up with it. <laughs> I grew up with the King James Version, so of course I'm going to love it. I love the way it sounds. I love the poetry of the King James Version. There's nothing quite like it. And... I brought some little things here. That This is an excellent book. I think I gave Essen a copy of this or loaned it to him. Something. The Rage Against God. And this is by Peter Hitchens. Peter Hitchens is the brother of Christopher Hitchens, who died a couple of months ago. Christopher Hitchens is one of the great angry atheists of our time. He and Richard Dawkins. And Peter Hitchens, being his brother, also left the faith, their Anglican church, when they were younger, due to many reasons which he describes in here. But then he went back to it, and I think how sad it must be for him when his brother died, because his brother evidently did not turn away from his atheism. And uh, unlike Peter, who did go back into the church, and he said this about the King James Version, he said, I, uh, the small, there's a small private battle for poetry and beauty to which I am still committed. But it's nothing to the greater conflicts that we now face. And so he says there, there are pressure on us, and this was in England, to abandon Cramner's prayers and the King James Bible. Uh, he had been in a church in, in England, and he inquired of a priest there, a cozy-looking, well-padded old gentleman. He says, if they ever used the prayer book. He stared at me, his eyes hot with delight, dislike. Never, he pronounced. And then he almost spat out the words, I hate Cranmer's theology of penitence. So he says we are under attack now, and we're in attack in this country too not just in England, and he points this out. And so I love the King James Version, and it has a lot to say to us. Now, that brings me to another point. We're go- I'm going to get to the topic here in just a minute. Folks, we have all the answers, and they're right here. 
They are right here in this book. They are in our hearts. We live with Christ within. We have all the answers. Now, we are like in a big game of Jeopardy. We've got the answers. But now we're going to look at some of the questions. We may have the answers, but we really don't look at the questions very often. And we all have questions, all of us. We wonder why, why this, why that. And I, if you're like me, you sometimes think that it's not right to ask the questions because I should know the answers. So therefore, I shouldn't even look at the questions. I shouldn't ask them. Now, I'd like to say something else before I go a step further, and that is the reputation that I have everywhere, not just in here, but everywhere, of being a loose cannon. Now, I would like to defend myself a bit against that by saying that there's another way of putting that. If you're in my profession, if you don't have to say it's, you're, you're a loose cannon. You can say that I just am into free association. You know, if you say something, I'm going to associate to it immediately, and I'm likely to blurt it out. That's where the loose cannon thing comes in. And so you have to kind of make allowances for that, that I just sort of say what I want to say and be forgiving with me and and realize that I do mean well most of the time, not always. But another thing about about Essen I just remembered, I was telling the staff at work about getting this wonderful, wonderful invitation to do this Sunday school series. And they were happy for me, even though many of them are not believers. They were happy for me because they knew I was happy about it. And they said, well, what are you supposed to do? And I said, well, my, my pastor, Essen Daly, just gave me two bits of instruction. This is a whole conference table full of people. He said, don't embarrass me and be yourself. They all burst into laughter. And they said, he needs to pick one. Yes, that's true. But I said, no, I can't let him have that choice because if he has that choice, he may take the wrong one. He may say, don't embarrass me, and then I can't be myself. So if I haven't already done it, I'm going to, I will do it now and throughout this uh, series. All right, so we're talking about old age, and that's just part of the things we're going to talk about. In fact, we have seven weeks, I think it is, to... uh, cover everything (laughs) so we can do it what this is going to be is an interactive seminar i'm not going to just stand up here and talk and talk and talk though i'm perfectly capable of doing that but the room would probably empty out before i finished Um, what i want is participation from you i want to know what your questions are and i'm not telling you that i can give you the answer it's like the i'm sure you all know this story but i feel somewhat like this It's an old story, but I still love it. Father's driving down the road with his son in the car. It's a little boy. And his son says, Dad, why is the sky blue? His father says, I don't know. They go a little bit further. And he said, Dad, how can birds fly? And he said, I don't know. So they drive a little further. And then the son says, why is it that they had to swerve to miss a deer? And he said, why do deer run out in front of the road? And his dad said, I don't know. And then the son says, 
Dad, do you get tired of me asking all these questions? And he said, of course not, son. How are you ever going to learn if you don't ask questions? <laughs> so feel free to ask questions because you're going to get that answer from me a lot of the time. And that's why this is supposed to be an interactive seminar because I want you to give me the answers because I probably have a lot more questions than you have. And Essen said, be yourself. And I was really worried for a while. And then I thought, no, you know, that's how I've taught my whole life. I, the first thing I said to my couples therapy group this year was, I know absolutely nothing, nothing about couples therapy. This is why I teach. And they all looked at me and said, why are we here? And I said, I often ask myself that. You know, why are you here? And so then we get into it. But I feel that way. That is exactly how I feel, that I know nothing. So much of my life I feel that way. And then I realize that there are people all around me that can give me bits and pieces of it. They know. They can tell me things. You can share with me your experiences. I'm not the only one that's had some experience in getting older in here. There are a few of you that are close to my age. Anyway, you can help me. Now, what does the Bible say? Okay, let's listen to this. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw now, nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets. When the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is nigh, high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home. And the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. There is, then in this commentary, he says, there is no end of opinions about life and philosophy, about how we should live, and they could be read and studied forever. It is not wrong to study them. But spend the majority of your time feeding on the truth of God's word. Wisdom should lead to action. Wise students of the Bible will understand and do what they are taught. Because our time on earth is so short, we should use it to learn important truths, for they affect this life and eternity. And so that's what I get here all the time, important truths. And I want to hear about them from you. I want your questions. I want us to discuss them among ourselves. What I want to know now is, what is, what is aging? What is it? Exactly what are we talking about when we talk about aging? What is old? Uh, Chris Root, my dear friend Chris Root, said something really sweet to me a couple
couple of weeks ago, maybe, yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. She came up to me after Sunday school and she asked me this very strange question. She said, may I give you a hug? Well, of course. I live for hugs. I said, of course you can hug me, Chris. And she hugged me. She gave me a really big hug. And then she said, promise me something. And I said, I don't, I'll try. And she said, promise me you will never grow up. <laughs> easy one, Chris. Pretty easy one. Yesterday, I mean, aging doesn't mean a lot to me. Uh, it, it does in some ways, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you what ways they are. But um, my daughter, last December, I think it was, or Jan- November or December, said, Mom, I just figured out something about you. Now, she's known me all her life, and I've known her all her life. And she said, you don't know how old you are. And I thought that was a very strange remark. And I said, of course I know how old I am. I tell everybody how old I am. I'm 77. That's what I was at the time. And she said, no, Mom, you know the years, but you don't know how old you are. You just don't know it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute with you. And that's why she said the grandchildren want to be around you all the time because you don't know how old you are. And so I was, then when you said that, Chris, about how don't ever grow up, I thought about it. Maybe I don't know how old I am. Uh, I don't want to change that if that's what keeps me the way I am right now because I'm pretty happy. Now, I don't have any major illnesses that I know of right now. The wheel's not running off the track. Uh, I take pleasure in very, very simple things. Like yesterday, I spent at least half an hour lying on the floor in my living room. And I, had, I was lying on the floor looking out because I had these big picture windows and I, was, I could see the clouds. And I could see the vultures. I love those vultures. They, they, they watch me all the time, and I know they do, because when I'm out at my swimming pool, they always come out, and they circle, they circle, and I think they're waiting. I know that's what they're doing. They're just waiting, waiting, and watching, and thinking, she's about ready to go just any time now. So far, I've eluded them, but the day is coming. So I really don't know how old I am. I need someone to tell me what is aging? What does it mean to all of us? And that's the question I'm going to ask you today. Now, I would also like to tell you that we live in a culture where aging is simply not permitted. You know. Now, that's not why I like to do simple things like watch vultures circle around. We have also, this is something I just do. It's nothing that I do because I studied it and I thought I should do it. It's just something I do. Um, Happiness is hard to measure. It's very hard to measure. It's hard for social scientists to measure anything and that's why they're not considered real scientists in the scientific world because they can't measure things and, and really prove anything. But people who report themselves as happy are people who see the world through the eyes of a child. Uh, They see the same things over and over again, and and it's always new to them. 
I have this wonderful view from my front windows. People come to see me sometimes, and they'll stand there, and they'll look out. And some of them say the most amazing thing. They'll say, do you ever get tired of the view? Well, of course I never get tired of the view. It changes all the time. It's never the same. So I can see the same things. You may say they're the same things over and over again, and they still look new to me. Uh, This is a wonderful quality. It's not anything that I did for myself. It's something that just wells up in me. It's God-given, of course, um, but it's there, and I'm very grateful for it. I'm very thankful for it. This ability to see old things as new, to see, to have experiences and relive them. And, and well, one of my kids said once, please, you don't want to travel with mom. Traveling with mom is, can be a real exercise in whatever, I don't know. But, he, but you know, she'll, she'll look out the window and she'll say, oh, look, there's a cow. Well, really, you know, a cow. But to, I don't even know that I do these things. I just see things and there they are. But we don't, we're not supposed to be old. You know that. Okay, I'm going to show you something I got this week. One of many things that I get all the time. Advertisement here. See the change truly clean, clean skin makes. Now, what do you think that change is supposed to be? Anybody have an idea? Oh, of course. Why would it matter if your skin is clean or not, if you're young and beautiful and, and it doesn't make any difference? But if you use all these products, of which they have many here, the power of one to turn around your complexion, deep cleansing oil. It's millions world, worldwide have made this change. You notice how millions worldwide are a lot happier now. Um, okay. Balance steps and sink for beautiful skin, okay? That's a double cleanser and a double moisture. Flower of the oil, 100% organic. Now, that's supposed to be a real sales pitch now, 100% organic. What makes DHC's olive virgin oil different from the olive oil I cook with? This is very interesting. Okay. Quench your skin's thirst with this indulgent nightcap for your complexion. All this designed to make us younger, and then we're supposed to be happier. Cultivate new radiance. It's all with beautiful, young, flawless women, all of this. Now, I've tried them all. They don't work. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing that that will keep you from. Did Rachel get here this morning? Oh, yeah, Rachel. Of course, there you are. Would you mind coming up here? I asked Rachel to come up here. I didn't just pop this on her. Thank you, Rachel. Now, in case you didn't know, I want to show you the difference between old and young. (laughs) Now, I'm going to do something I rarely do. It's not too scary. I won't go any further than this. This is old. Look at that. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Can you, she, she, she doesn't know how to 
flab around at all. She has no concept. Look at this. I pull the skin up on the back of my hand. It stays up, folks. It stays up. Pull it up. You can't even pull it up, can you? She can hardly. She can't even pull it up. She has moisture in her. She has. She has elasticity. You see, which I don't have. She's young. She's flawless. She's beautiful. I hate her. No, not really. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about something else too. Rachel, you were really sweet to do this for me. You and I share a father, and it's not Essen. And you know that. Uh, isn't that amazing? We all have the same father, a heavenly father. So thank you. So she said she would. Who said that? Who said that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I started getting really flabby, and I do have a swimming pool, I always wanted a swimming pool. When I first started wanting a swimming pool, I had the body. Then I could afford a swimming pool, and I didn't have the body anymore. So I realized that if I was going to use my own swimming pool, I had to get over the vanity, okay? I had to get over that. Um, and so I made up a little cheer. I'm not going to do it, Judy. Judy's afraid I'm going to do this cheer. It was in a bathing suit. It was a nice little cheer. It was like she jiggles to the right and she jiggles to the left, and I would jiggle all over. She jiggles to the front and she jiggles to the back. Give me a C. And all the kid, grandkids would go, C, give me an E. Give me a double L-U. Give me an L. Give me an I. Give me a T-E-S. And I'd jump up and all of me would, let's hear it for the cellulite. <laughs> well, of course, the first, the first the question I got from them was, what is cellulite? <laughs> I said, you're looking at it, you know. So, Essen also loaned me a book. He's very good about giving me things. Growing Old in the Grace of God. Beautiful title. And he's pointing out out here, this, actually this is a very good book, and he, he's pointing out here some of the things that happen to us when we get old. And, and some interesting statistics here. The percent of women who say that they would change something about their looks if they could, 99%. Can you believe that? 99%. The percent of men who say they would change something about their looks if they could, 94%. Not much difference. Average score Americans give themselves on a scale of 1 to 10 on their looks, 6.5. Women especially seem to have negative thoughts about themselves. While only one man in 10 is strongly dissatisfied with his body, one-third of women are strongly dissatisfied with theirs. Though both sexes are overweight in equal proportions, about one-third, 95% of enrollees in weight loss programs are women. In a glamour survey at the magazine of 33,000 women, 75% of those aged 18 to 35 believed they were too fat, while only 25% were medically overweight. In addition, 45 of the underweight women thought they were too fat. Now, that's sad to me. It is estimated that 5 to 10% of all American girls and women have anorexia. 
Each year it is estimated that 150,000 American women die of anorexia. This problem has especially been prevalent in our present generation. A generation ago, the average model weighed 8% less than the average American woman, whereas today she weighs 23% less. Now, I don't know if you know this, but anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any of the psychiatric syndromes, 22%. That's high. It's very difficult once a person passes a certain place in their weight loss where they can get that weight back. It's a very, very dangerous thing. Uh, I've seen, I know that you all have probably seen kids with anorexia. Uh, they, will, they will go to breakfast and they'll get a strawberry and they'll cut it up into tiny little bites and they'll just get that one little bite at a time saying that they are eating, but they're really not. This affects children as well. In a survey of 494 middle-class schoolgirls in San Francisco, more than one-half described themselves as overweight, while only 15% were so by medical standards. 31% of 9-year-olds thought they were too fat, and 81% of 10-year-olds are dieters. Anywhere from 200,000 to one million American women have had their breasts cut open and sacks of chemical gel implanted. In a 1986 Psychology Today survey, one-third of American women were unhappy with the size or shape of their breasts. In the 1989 Miss America pageant, at least five contestants were surgically reconstructed by the same Arkansas plastic surgeon. Cosmetic surgery denies reality. Cosmetic surgery is not cosmetic, and human flesh is not plastic. Instead of surgery, doctors use expressions like tummy tuck. Liposuction is now one of the most popular of cosmetic surgeries in which a tube is inserted and sucks out portions of tissue, fat, and nerves. 198,000 American women underwent the procedure in 2009. Now, we graduated from our program a few years ago a child psychiatrist. You know how long it takes to go clear through and be a child psychiatrist? It takes many, many, many years of training. One year out of the fellowship, she was in a, living in Atlanta, and they found her dead in her apartment. Why? Because she had gotten liposuction. She got a blood clot, and she died. What a waste. What a thing to do to a human life because she wasn't even fat. I, I was so sad by this. It was like, why? And those are the kinds of questions we don't have the answers to. I just know that it happened to her. The top five surgical procedures in 2009, according to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, breast augmentation, 289,000, nose reshaping, 256,000, eyelid surgery, 203,000, liposuction, 198,000, and tummy tuck, 115,000. Cosmetic surgeries increased over 12 million in 2009, almost 10 times the number of 20 years ago. Of these 12 million patients, 91% were women. There were 4 million 
795,357 Botox procedures in 2009, and 94% of those were women. Americans spent over $18 billion on cosmetic surgery in 2009. What a waste of resources. But that's what we are doing. Uh, I don't really know, like I said, what it is to be old because it doesn't have the same meaning to me. My middle daughter, Diane, who's a very staunch believer, and she's, she's very in, into her faith. And she said, you know, Mom, I've been thinking about it. First you get old, and then you get to die. Isn't that amazing? That is an amazing thing for her to say. And I thought about it. Death is something we're going to be talking about in here. Some of us are terrified at the thought of dying. And I don't think we should try to hide that. I think we should share that. I think we should talk about it. I don't know how it's going to be for me. I always said that I would like to die a good death. Well, does anyone know what it means to die a good death? What would you think a good death would be? I'll ask you. What do you think a good death would be? Quick? Someone say? Painless? In your sleep. You what? At peace with God. Great one. At peace with God. We don't really know what will happen. A very sad thing happened with one of my colleagues. He, uh, a psychiatrist, this is several years ago. I saw him walking down the hall and he looked very, very depressed. And I called him into my office. And he came in and I said, okay, what's wrong? I shut my door and he said nothing. And I said, oh, come on. I'm an old campaigner. I can tell by looking at your face there's something wrong. Tell me what's wrong. And he said, I was, so he sat down. He said, okay, I'll tell you. He said, I was at the bedside of my longtime colleague and mentor, This was a man who believed in reincarnation. He studied uh, all kinds of phenomenon like um, out-of-death experiences and all this kind of thing. Certainly not a Christian. And he said, and it was the worst death I've ever seen, and I can't get it out of my head. He said he died terrified. He died terrified. And all he could say was, there's nothing, there's nothing. I don't have anything. I can't see anything. There's nothing. I'm terrified. And he died like that. And he said, I can't get it out of my head. I hope that, those were all great answers, by the way. I hope that when my time comes that I don't die terrified, but we don't know. We don't, we don't, I'll tell you why. We don't know what conditions our brains are going to be in. Um, you know, I, I get all this literature all the time, this very secular literature, of course, and a, a new uh, book I just got was interesting title. I love the title. It was Better Brains, Better Bodies. It's full of charts and graphs and stuff that I don't like. I don't know what a better brain. I, I often tease that what I need is a brain transplant. Well, they're not doing them at UVA, and I'm not sure they're doing them anywhere as yet. Uh, then there's this other secular book. 
actually a pretty good book. Successful Aging. Now, what is successful aging? I don't know. I just know I'm aging, but I don't know if it's successful or not. So far, I'm enjoying it. Do you want to know one of the most fun things about aging? You finally realize that you're near the end, and you don't feel so responsible anymore. It's so freeing. It's the most wonderful thing. Uh, it's like, I've, I like this phrase. It's one of my favorites. Y'all have heard me say it many times. I've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. I think of that with you, Rachel, and other young people like you. You have your lives in front of you. At your age, I love that idea. I don't want to do it again. How many of you in here would want to do it again? Anybody? It's all right if you do. What's that? Would you do it again? Yeah. Some of you would do it again. I don't want to do it again. I have another friend. Who's, I have some very, very strange friends. Strange, strange friends. I know you all. She considers herself a psychic. Now, I don't believe she's a psychic because I don't really believe in that. But she's a dear, sweet lady. She's older than I am. She also believes in reincarnation. She believes in past lives. She's telling me all the time about these wonderful lives that I've had in the past. And I'm just, Judy knows her too. She's a dear, isn't she? She's sweet as she can be. Do I believe any of this stuff? No, but I love her. And so she's telling me about all these past lives. And uh, then I said, you know, I have to tell you that I don't really get this philosophy. And I really don't want to come back again as anybody or anything else. I've already done it. And she looked at me, and all of a sudden she stopped, and she just stared into space for a little bit. And then she looked very puzzled. And she looked at me again, and she said, They, they just told me that you don't have to come back. Now... Nice to have that reassurance. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take the reassurances anywhere I can get them. I don't know. I don't know what they is. I've asked her before, and she says, "You know, they, whatever it is, she gets her 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 messages from." Very interesting lady. I really don't want to come back. I really wouldn't want to do it again. Knowing me like I know me, I'd make the same mistakes over again. I'm not sure we learn an awful lot from our mistakes. We're not going to confine our lessons in here for the next few weeks just on aging. We're going to talk about a lot of things. There are people in our congregation who have genetic disorders that they've had to live with. There are people here who have serious illnesses or who are recovering from illnesses, or who may not recover from these illnesses. There are people who've had accidents that have altered the way they think, the way they live. And if you think 
that anything that happens to any one of us does not change us all. You're wrong. It does. Because we are a body together. We are believers together. We love each other. I know you love me. I love you, and I know that. And we support each other. But I don't think we do a very good job all the time because I don't think we know what to say. I don't think we know what to do. I don't even think we know what the problems are because we don't tell each other. And we're not always honest about what the problems are, about what we really worry about. That's what we're going to be talking about. And I cannot say I don't know if you all don't give me the question. And I'm very much looking forward to saying I don't know over the next few weeks. Sometimes, um, and I will go first, I'll tell you what a lot of my problems are. I don't mind at all. My life will be an open book to you whether you want to hear it or not. By the way, I see Don Bailey over there smirking. I want you to know that, yes, you are Don. Don, Don has a death wish. Not for him, for me. <laughs> Every year he says to me, can you imagine this? I want you to come up to Wintergreen and I'll give you a skiing lesson. <laughs> that is so funny. Don, I can hardly walk around, let alone get on two pieces of whatever those are and fly down some mountainside on a sheet of ice. That is not my idea of a good time. I was coming out of Northridge where I'm teaching the couples therapy class the other day and I saw an old acquaintance of mine. Uh, She is a friend, but not someone I spend a lot of time with. Very wealthy lady. And she looked, well, we we did a double take because we hadn't seen each other for a while. And she looked very old. And she said, Patty, are you still teaching? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, I can't believe it. And I said, yes, I am. And I said, how are you? And she said, she had just been to see her doctor. She said, Patty, I keep falling. I keep falling, and I keep getting infections. I fall all the time. And she said, and it's not fair because I do everything right. It's not fair. I do everything right. She said, I go to a gym. I go faithfully, but I keep falling. And I felt so badly for her because it doesn't matter. I I told David the other day, I'm convinced that old people fall. That's what we do. We just do. I mean, I run into things all the time. Another thing we have to do is we have to get to go to the bathroom all night. Okay, so I get up to go to the bathroom and I walk into the door. Well, I know where the door is, you know. But I do. I, I'm ataxic. I go and I head for one direction and I go in the other direction. This is not good. Not in the middle of the night when you don't want to turn on the light because you're told not to turn on the light because if you turn on the light, all these things get in your eyes. I don't know what they are, but and then then you can't go back to sleep. So you don't want to turn on the light, but neither do I want to run into doors. So there I am. It's one of those wonderful pieces of information you get about getting old. Uh, I'm going to bring to you many things over the next few weeks, but I want your participation. That's what I really want. I want you to be prepared I'm giving you some time here next week if you will honor me by coming back and telling me what you want to talk about. I will try to answer. As I told you, we have the answers. We just don't always use them. But anyway, I want to know. I want us to share with each other if you 
would not mind doing that. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm very honored that I'm getting to do this. I hope I don't say anything along the way that offends anybody. If I do, I apologize ahead of time. I can't tell you how many people have asked me not to embarrass them. That says something about me right there. So, And that probably means that you're game for me, you know. Um, and Judy and David sat in the back because they said the heckler should sit in the back. Well, I don't want any hecklers, but I can take them. Come on, bring it on. So we are going to have a good time with this. Uh, Essen, you did take a chance. And I hope it pays off for all of us because we're here to love each other. It's exactly why we're here. I use that word a lot, but I feel it. I cannot tell you how much I feel it. I was having a pity party the other day, and, and I confided in Judy, and she said, So, we're having, this is my, Judy's my therapist, so we're having a pity party, are we? And I said, Well, yes. And she said, Patty, you are the most loved person. I know. How could you ever feel sorry for yourself about anything? Thank you, Judy. Because I have so much love, and I, and I give it, and I love it, and I hope it just keeps on coming all the rest of my life. And so I would like to, I'm not very good at um, prayer in public. In fact, I'm very clumsy with it. Essen actually chuckled out loud once when he heard a prayer I gave. So, and I remember, remember the first prayer I ever gave was at a Bible study group. Were you there? It was at Chuck's house. And, and, I, and we were, and I was terrified because they were going around the room and, and everyone was taking their turn. And I never said a public prayer in my life and it got to me. We were supposed to be praying for people. And so we got to me and what I said was, Dear Lord, I've forgotten everything we're supposed to pray for, but Chuck here, he remembers everything, so I'm turning it over to him. And that was the extent of my prayer. And afterward, Harry came up to me and said, That's the sweetest prayer I've <laughs> So I would like to close us now in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I so much love these people. If I love them, the little bit that I know how to love, and I only love because you've taught me how, then how much more I know you love us all. I pray that you will guard me and watch over me as I do this series. Give me wisdom. May I speak from the Holy Spirit within. And may we all bring our problems here. May we trust each other. We have got to trust each other. If we can't trust each other, and you, O Lord, who can we trust? In Jesus' name I make my prayer. Amen.